0: Russia. We were in Russia for a 19-day trip, which we realized about the 14th day that the trip was long, and 19 days was a long time to be away from home. About the 15th day, our kids started calling us a lot and texting us a lot, and we knew that they were missing us, and we were missing home, we were missing, missing you guys, and just life here in Indiana. But we spent 19 days in Russia, and it was it was a great, great, great trip. It was a great time for Joe and I to actually spend a lot of time alone together, um, for us to to be with Russian Christians and to um, and just serve God out of our element and just spend 19 days saying, "God, whatever whatever you have for today, it's we're doing it." Because we didn't have any agenda as far as our own personal lives. It was. God, whatever you have. And when that takes place, what ends up happening is God answers that and hears that. And he opens doors that a lot of times won't open when we're here at home. And so the opportunities to pray for people, the, the you know, seeing God work in, in really awesome ways, we, we were able to experience that. And, and so now what's happened is we've been back a little over a week. We finally think we're done with jet lag. It hit us pretty hard. I think the older you get, the, the worse it gets. So we, we slept a lot this past week or so and we finally felt like we okay, we're finally figuring this out. And we're ready to get back going with branches and, and just kind of plug back in. So today's my first day back I'm Here's what I want to do. Um, we've been asked by a bunch of people like about the trip. You know, why did you go to Russia? How did you how did you get connected with Russia? what was your favorite part that sort of thing and so i figured that what we're going to do today is we're going to just kind of give a report and answer some of those questions and then if you have any other specific questions we're wide open we have tons of pictures we will share with you whatever you know you want but you know when i was a kid growing up and we would have missionaries come to the church, I loved it because one, I didn't have to listen to the pastor, and two, we got to watch, see a lot of pictures. And so today, you know, there will be some pictures scrolling, so you could kind of get a, a visual of what we what we dealt with. But in order to start off, here's what I want to do. I want to just ask that if you've traveled out of this country on like a mission trip of some sorts, can you raise your hand? I just want to see who in here, who in here is, has has been in, engaged in that. So you've gone to a foreign country, a foreign culture and you've served God in some way, okay? So here's what my hope is for today. My hope is that we can I can give a kind of an update on the trip. We could kind of talk about why is missions important, and ultimately my hope is that each one of us would get a, this kind of this idea of, of really why we individually and we as a church need to be plugged in with missions in the world, okay? So that's kind of what my hope is. So at the end of, end of today, I'm just hoping all of you guys will be ready to sign up and Go to Russia with me um, here in the next six months or something. Okay, so 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 the first question I want to answer is is just how did we get connected with Russia? How did how did in you know northern Indiana, small town of of Warsaw? How did we get connected with Russia? And what I want to explain is that within the Vineyard Church, so Vineyard Church is like there's 600 Vineyard churches in the in the United States, and there's something like 2,500 Vineyard churches worldwide. And so the Vineyard Church is a church planting movement. So if you read. You get into reading about the Vineyard Church. Church planting is the heartbeat of the Vineyard Church, and here's why. First, we believe that statistically, when you plant a church in a city, like what we've done here in Warsaw, that in those first few years of the church, the, the church brings new life to the community. And we've seen that here at branches. We've seen people that I mean some of you guys may never have gone to a church in Warsaw but for some reason you came in here and something felt different and and you're plugged in. And so that's exciting for us. Statistically, new churches, church plants see more people come to Jesus in their first few years because we're, we're like, we're like excited to see the church grow. We need the church to grow or else we're going to just have to shut the door. So we're actually getting engaged more and more. So church planting, just statistically, there's tons you can read about that it brings life and it's the number one form of evangelism in the world. The second reason why church planting is important to the vineyard is that that's what we read about In the New Testament, Jesus came, he established who he was, he died on the cross for us, the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2, the church stayed and huddled and grouped together, and then as they dispersed, what ended up happening, and you can read about, you know, through Paul's letters, is he went around and planted churches, and he went to a city, and he preached the gospel, and people got saved, and he gathered the Christians, he started a church, he put in leadership, he backed off, went to another cedar, and church planting is what grew the Christian church. And so for us it, within the Vineyard, church planning is a heartbeat. And that doesn't just stay within, within the United States. That's a vision that Vineyard has worldwide. So what has happened is as Vineyard has spread worldwide and churches, they started planting churches in different countries, a lot of times these churches in these different countries do not have the ability to self-sustain. They just don't. Like we, we self-sustain. We're able to do that. You, you know, you guys give faithfully. But the churches are small sometimes, and the governments don't support them as a church, and, you know, they don't get the tax breaks that we get and that sort of stuff, so they just can't self-sustain. So what Vineyard USA has done is create its partnerships throughout the world. And what they, they ask American U.S. Vineyards to do is partner with with Vineyard churches in the world. And it just so happens to be that the northern Indiana region has a strong partnership with Russia, with the Vineyard churches in Russia. And so by default, kind of, we... Joined in with this partnership with Russia. And for me, I would have never considered Russia as a place. Russia's a scary place to me. How many of you guys grew up in Russia's were the bad guys? Do you remember this? The Cold War? Like in, in you know, there was a time I think where people had to do drills where you had to get underneath your desk at school because the Russians were coming. Like in, in California, we did earthquake drills. But some if you're old enough, you remember the get under the desk drills because the Russians were coming. Here's what I was wondering. Is the desk magical? Like in California, the desk was going to save us from the earth opening up and swallowing us. You know, did the desk save you guys? Would it have saved you from nuclear fallout, Judy? You don't know, huh? Think about that. They would have us get under the desk. I think that was just to trap us in to collect the bodies at the end or something. That wasn't even in my manuscript, Holly. I just said that right there. (laughs) But, But... Here's the thing. Somebody, the, the thing that, you know, most people have asked us this week is, what was your favorite part? What was your favorite part of the trip? And, and I, I, you know, we, we did a lot of ministry. We ran. We did not have one day off. We were busy going hard every single day. But one specific night, we had preached. I had, I had preached at this church in this little village about in the middle of Siberia. And then we were staying at the pastor's house, which was this log cabin that he had hand-built out of town, and so we went to the pastor's house, and they were hosting all of us in this log cabin that I I put together that was probably six hundred square feet. Um, it was less than twenty by twenty, and it was two stories. So I, I figured, okay, it's it's it was you know somewhere between six and eight hundred square feet, and they were putting us all up in it. So there was f- three of us that went from, and then there was two others. So they were putting five of us in their house plus their family. And after we had had the service in the afternoon, and and you know, spent some time there. We went to their house for dinner, we sat around a table, and my favorite part of the trip was sitting around the table telling jokes. And and what I realized is that these are just normal people. These aren't the Russians that I grew up thinking about. You know, that when I think about Russians, here's what I think about that movie Red Dawn. You remember that movie Red Dawn where Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen, I think it was an early 80s movie, they live in Colorado, they're high school studs, and the Russians came and take over, and so they go up into the mountains and live, and they single-handedly take out the Russians and chase them out of their village or whatever. That was the Russians I remembered. And so for me to be in Russia sitting around a table full of people that look like the people in the movie and, and just telling jokes, I thought it was awesome. We told jokes till about, about 12.30 or 1 in the morning. It started off with one person telling a joke. And you know what happens when somebody tells a joke, right? You start using, going through your Rolodex so you can tell a joke. Here's what I realized. There's a lot of jokes I'm not allowed to tell anymore as a pastor. <laughs> like, I'm throwing through my jokes, and I'm like, two guys walked in the bar. Nope, can't say that one. <laughs> there was a Jew, a Catholic, and a Protestant. Nope, can't say that one, you know. And I'm just I'm scrolling through, and I'm thinking, i I got to find a joke that's clean enough to tell. So, I mean, I'm just being honest. I have a lot of jokes, but <laughs> I can't tell them anymore. I'm, like, I think I signed something when I became a pastor that you can't tell all those jokes you used to tell. But I finally found a joke, and I was able to tweak it to make it you know, tie in with the Russians, and everybody laughed, and we just kept telling jokes and jokes and jokes, and, and I was loving it, and, and we had this translator, because half the people could speak English, half couldn't, and this translator, he would take our jokes and embellish them, like there was this joke, somebody was, this Kent who was with us was telling us about this old cowboy named Bad Bart, and it, by the time it got to the translator, Bad Bart was shooting up the place, and, and people were, we were laughing at the translation more than the punchline, but then towards the end of the night, I said to the Russian, I said, you know, we've kind of been at war. We all grew up in the, you know, we were the bad guys to you. You're the bad guys to us. What joke do you guys have that you think would offend us? Tell me a joke that you guys used to tell about Americans. And so they thought and thought. And I, honestly, I don't have any Russian jokes. We told Polish jokes when we were kids. But I don't even know why, how that came about. But, <laughs> but they thought and thought. And so the guy said, okay, I could tell a joke about America. And this is the joke he said. He said, he said, you know, in America, the birds fly south for the winter, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, do you know why the f- they fly in a pattern like this? And I th- I thought about it. I said, no, I don't know why. And he says, do you guys get it? Think about rowing a canoe. If you only row one way, you go this way, and then you have to go that way, You go, whatever. I thought it was funny. It was my favorite part of the trip. <laughs> So, so we're, we're part of this partnership, and we've joined in with, with Russia, and, and, and we, you know, we support Russian churches, and, and it's great. And here's what, here's what that means for us as branches. Every time we take offering and you put money into, into the offering plate, at the end of the month, a portion of that money gets sent to, to churches in Russia so that they can grow, and they can, they can speak the gospel and preach the gospel, and God's kingdom can be established in Russia. And, and that's, an, that's an exciting thing because Russia is not, the Russian churches, Protestant churches are not supported in Russia. Here, here's what the Russian church is like. The Russian church is, is Russian Orthodox. So if you've heard of the Orthodox Church, Eastern Orthodox Church, it's the Russian Orthodox Church. It's massive, beautiful, cathedral-style churches. Like, you, like are you seeing the picture? The one in the center is in Red Square. You guys have maybe all seen that. That's a museum today. They charge you 10 bucks to go into it. So it's not even a church anymore. But the churches are just these big, massive structures. And we happened to visit three churches, Rus- Russian Orthodox churches, that we were just popped in the tour while a service was going on. And here's what the service comprised of. It was you had a stage at some point and, like, a wall, a doors, and it was really ornate. Pictures and paintings, and you know, like like picture the Sistine Chapel or you know a Roman cathedral's p- paintings all over the, the ceiling, and you had a, a group of people singing, three or four people. Sometimes it was three or four men, sometimes three or four women, and they were basically singing the service. And it was like these, you know, just it was in old Russian, so most of the people don't understand the, what they were singing, and they would sing the service. And the priest he would come out with like this chain and this ball thing that was incense and he would wave incense and then he, and it would stink and he would disappear and then and then then they would sing, and he would sing, and it was this chant back and forth. Again, in a language that most, most, even the Russians didn't know what was being sung. And it was this chanting back and forth, and he was behind, kind of behind the veil, if you will. You know, in the Holy of Holies was the picture that we saw. He was behind there. You didn't see him, and he would, they would sing, and he, he would respond, and it was this back and forth. And this was the service, and it lasted about 40 minutes. While this was going on, what the, what the Russian worshipers would do is they would walk in the door, and the women would have to cover their heads. So if you see Joe with her head covers, because we were in a, in a church, and they would buy, there was a place where you could buy candles. You would light a candle. You would stick it in front of a painting, which is an icon. You would, you would maybe kiss the painting. Then they would do the, you know, I don't know what this is called, where you cross yourself like this. Yeah, they would do this three times and bow. And then they would turn around and walk out. And that was, that was worship service for a Russian Orthodox believer or tender. And, and I thought, there's no relationship. There's, you can't meet Jesus that way. You can't meet Jesus just walking and doing this and lighting a candle and walking out. There, it, was, it was completely religion, complete religion. And I, and I thought, this is why we come to Russia and share Jesus with, with the Russians. And so, and so that's what, that's what the religion of, of Russia was. It was just that. And, we, and it helped me understand why there needs to be vineyard churches in Russia. So here's, here's the update of what we did. In, in Russia, there are eight vineyard churches. Now, if you look at a map of Russia, Russia is huge. So there are eight vineyard churches spread out throughout the whole country. And we visited five of the eight vineyard churches. But while we were there, we met with all the pastors and all the leadership of all the vineyard churches. And so here's how it worked out. We landed in Moscow. By train, we traveled, 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 and hit three different vineyard churches. Um, in one of the places, all the pastors came together for, the, for, for a, like a pastor's meeting conference. So what Russia has done is they, they will refer to Russia as European Russia, like if you're looking this way, European Russia, which is Western Russia and Siberia, the, the European vineyard pastors came together, which was about four pastors. And they had meetings, so we met with them and encouraged them and talked with them. We preached at the two churches that we, we visited there. Then Joe and I took a 12-hour train ride to another city, and when we got there, you guys might have heard about this, we, I asked our host, I said, what's the schedule? We got there late Saturday afternoon, and, she, and I thought I was going to preach Sunday morning and then do like a little teaching Monday night about how to pray for people. That's what I thought. And she says, oh, well, Sunday, you know, you're going to preach and you're going to do a baby dedication. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a baby dedication. And then we're going to have a meeting with all our young couples of the church. And you're going to speak to them. Okay. And then tomorrow, Monday, you'll do the conference. And I, what conference am I doing? Oh, you know, the conference you're going to do on, on how to pray for people and all that. I said, well, how long did you guys schedule? Oh, five hours. I had, like, a 20-minute talk on this is how to pray for people. You know, you ask God to join them, and, you you know, five hours. So I'm, like, scrambling on Saturday night. I'm texting Dave Russell. I'm texting Dave Grant, and I'm saying, send me everything that we have in my computer on praying for people, on baby dedication, on, on you know. And so, you know, we, they, like, kept us rocking and rolling. And and but what happened is as God as we as we preached and as we served and did that God opened doors and we were able to pray for people and pe- we saw people break through we saw we saw people who had things in their life that that needed to be released that God needed to take we saw God take them we I prayed for a girl who had a bad foot situation like she could barely walk and she was walking around and she was saying the pain's gone the pain's gone. And I was like, oh, "Wow, that's awesome!" Turns out she was from Ohio. You know, so God sent her to Ohio and sent me to Russia. You know, from Ohio, so we could pray for her. But but here's what here's what was cool. And in every situation that we went to, the the Russian Christians were hungry. They wanted to receive from God. They want and and. The, they, they would say to us, pray for me. What does God have for me? And we would pray for them. Or when we taught, they would, they would really richly grab from whatever it is we were teaching in spite of who we were. We just saw incredible life come to the churches as we went and ministered. One guy we, we prayed for, he, God had given me a word like kind of what I just did before service, where I, before I preached, where I, I felt like God was saying something, and it was a, it was a really hard thing to say because it was it was kind of intense. I'm going to share about it next week. Um, <clears throat> so I preached, and then I said, "Hey, you know, is that, that what I said at the beginning? Is that for anybody?" And this guy walks up, and I was just like, "Oh, thank you, God, that's somebody." And this guy walks up, and he's dressed in all like camouflage clothing, kind of like really cheap hunting gear, you know, like if you went to Walmart and bought the cheapest camouflage shirt and pants, and he's standing here, and we start praying for him, and as we're praying for him, you could smell the alcohol oozing through his pores, so so he was he was just, he, I don't know if he was drunk at the time, or if it was just, he had, had drank so much alcohol that, and he, I mean, he was obviously an alcoholic, and we, we just, we spent about a, probably 45 minutes praying for this guy, and and there was some breakthrough, and, the, and life came to this guy. He was able to articulate his relationship with Jesus. He was able to articulate his need to serve God. He was able to articulate how, how you know, just what had happened in his life that caused him to start drinking. And, and he was, he, it turns out, he's, afterwards, he brings me a computer and he's showing me pictures. He was like a highly decorated military. He was in the military, highly decorated. And as that season of his life ended, and that was very, very in, um, strong and, and a good time of his life, he started drinking, and, um, and there was just life to this guy. That When he walked in, and the whole time he sat there while I was preaching, there was no life. God brought life to this guy. And, and at the end, he shows me all these pictures. Then he shows me pictures of him fishing. He, like wanted to show me pictures fishing. He assumed I'm a fisherman, which I would say I am, but my, my dad and my son would say I'm not. But, um, but he show, And then he presents me with a gift. And he says, "I, you know, he through a translator, he says, I have a gift for you. And he gives me this gift. And it's just a beat up. I, I was afraid to touch it. It was dirty. I think I've, I've sprayed like the cleaner, like hand wash, you know, sanitizer on it. It was really dirty. But he gives me this gift and he explains that it's just one of these things, you know, to strengthen your hand. And I thought, oh, okay, <laughs> thanks for your gift. And and later, what I what I discovered was that this was probably a very precious thing to this man. You know, he, this guy came from a very poor village, probably a very poor person, and he was giving me something that was super precious to him. And it was in return of me, you know, bringing something that was precious to him, and that was, you know, that he he was able to reconnect with God and and, and reestablish his relationship with God. So so he gave me this little thing, and and you know. It was just. I, I see it as very important today to me because it, it reminds me that God moved and spoke through me to to bring life to somebody else. So that, that's a, a another highlight of that trip. So let me ask. Let me answer the question of just why why missions is important. Why do we Why do we even do missions? So the last time I was here. I preached about why we do the ministry time up here. Like, wh- what, why is that important to us here at Branches? And then Dave Grant preached about why we do mis- or music and worship the way we do. Dave Russell preached about why we read our Bible, why that's, why that's necessary as a, as a follower of, of Jesus. And, and, and for me, it's, today I want to just talk real quickly why, why is missions important. And I just have three quick points, just real quick points. The first is that God is a missional God. And, and, and the first two points can be very obvious, but the whole Bible is God's mission to redeem his creation back to him. The whole story of the Bible is God's mission to redeem back what was lost through sin. And so God, God's on a mission. His mission is to gather his people back, to get back in relationship with, with his creation, and, and to rule and, and be the king of our lives. And so we know that God's a missional God. The second, the second point, which is an extremely obvious point, was that Jesus was on a mission. You know, God sent his son. John 3.16 says God loved us so much that he, he gave Jesus. He sent Jesus, and we know that Jesus was on a mission to ultimately die for the sins of, of those who would, who would receive him. Die for the sins of the sinner and of the lost. And so we know that that's Jesus' mission. Jesus Jesus said many times, and and just Luke 19.10 is one where he says, the the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. And we get that, don't we? I mean, it's pretty obvious if you're sitting in here, you have this general idea that, yeah, God's a God who who wants to have a relationship with you. Jesus was on a mission, and he came to, to save those who were lost, which is us. But the third part is that, the reason we do missions is that we, we each individually has a, have a mission. We have a mission. The first part of this mission is that we have been told by Jesus to go. You find this in Matthew chapter 28. Jesus says, go. Do you see that? Therefore, go. The very first part, just go. Jesus has equipped us. If you read the verses before that, Jesus is saying, I have the power and the authority to, to say what I'm about to say, and what I'm saying is you guys go. He's giving us power and authority. He's equipping us to go into the world. And so the first part of our mission is that we need to go. And what that means for us here sitting here is it doesn't mean us here sitting here. It means that we go. It means that our daily life is a go. It's a get up and go. Okay, the second part of that, of, of what our mission is, is that Jesus, he told us what to do. In, in the same verse, he says this. He said, make disciples, baptize. And then if we flow in the verse 20, he says, teach. Make disciples, baptize, and teach. So if you're wondering, I, I know I'm supposed to go, but what am I supposed to do? You're supposed to make disciples. What that means is you're supposed to tell people about Jesus in such a way that they come and say, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And then baptism is, is, is the person publicly saying, I am a follower of Jesus. So when we baptize, when we baptize here, usually once a year, that person is, is claiming to the world through, through this church, I'm a follower of Jesus. So we baptize people so that, that they're able to proclaim their faith in God, and then we teach them. We teach them by walking alongside of them. And so that's, that's like the basics of mission. missions. We make disciples, we baptize, and we teach. And so Jesus tells us what we're supposed to do, and then Jesus tells us where we're supposed to go. And we find that in Acts chapter chapter 1. It says this, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, there's a lot of messages preached about what does that mean? Because we don't live in Jerusalem, and there is no Judea or Samaria. So what does that mean? And, and we could get into that, but here's, what I, here's the nutshell of that. Jesus says, tell people everywhere. Go everywhere, it, wherever you're at. You're supposed to be telling people about Jesus. And, and so for those that he was speaking to at the time, it was Jerusalem. They weren't even residences of Jerusalem. They had come in, if you remember, if they had come in for the, for the Passover. And, and Jesus says, so tell people about Jesus here in Jerusalem. Then tell people about in Judea. Then go to Samaria. Then go to the ends of the earth. So what that means for us is that we tell people about Jesus. We go and tell people about Jesus here in Warsaw. What that means is we go and tell people about Jesus in Kosciuszko County in Indiana, in the United States, and then to the ends of the earth. So it's pretty simple that we have a mission. It's pretty simple that part of us being a Christian is that we get up and we go and we share Jesus with people. And, and so I just want to encourage you that, to be considering what is it that's your mission? What is it that, that you get up and go for? Or do you get up and go? Or do you say, I'm a Christian and I love coming to church on Sunday and sitting there, and then the rest of the week, that's it? Because if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, we have some marching orders and we've been equipped and we've been given a task and we've been given authority to tell people about Jesus. And that's why at Branches, we have missions. That's, a, that's the answer. That's why there's missions. And then the, the last question I want to answer is over how did we get connected with Russia was why, why Russia, because there's a lot of countries. And, and honestly, for me, like I said, Russia was probably last on my list of places to go. But here's what I realized. Russia matters to God. Russia matters to God. And, and also, Jesus brings freedom to the Russian people. One of the pastors who's on the national board in Russia his name is named Sasha Mishin, and, and, he, and he's in Siberia. We asked him the question, you know, Sasha, is it really important that, you know, that there's vineyard churches in Russia? I mean, after all, you guys are small you're struggling. You're, you know, you're not growing. Is it really that important that there's Vineyard churches in Russia? And his answer was, Russia needs the Vineyard Church. Russia needs the Vineyard Church, and here's why: the only church, the only Protestant church in Russia that's growing is led by these Putin-esque type dictator pastors. And what they what they do is they they wield authority and and manipulation and control over their congregation. And those are the only Protestant churches in Russia that seem to be growing. There seems to be this, this thing within the Russian persona to want to be led by a strong leader. You got, we know that, right? We see that on our news. And, and what, what Sasha said, Sasha's like a, a philosophy professor at the university. This guy is, like in my intellect, I'm like here. This guy's like here. Like I, we can't talk. This guy, and and he, said, he said, the Vineyard Church is the only Christian church where there's freedom. Freedom, and that's why the Russian Russians need the Vineyard Church. And and when we asked every pastor what, if you could sum up what the Rush, what Vineyard Church is to you, they say it's freedom. And don't you know that that's the case here? We've all been to churches where there's a lot of rules, where there's a lot of you have to toe certain lines in order to be. And and here it's like just love Jesus. We're gonna do the three things that that is our our mission statement. We're gonna love God. We're going to love others. We're going to make disciples. That's our mission statement. Real simple, real plain. There's freedom in that. There's freedom in that. Jesus brings freedom. And so that's why, that's why Russia is so important, that Jesus brings freedom. When we were in Russia, we had to declare in our visa application every single city we would visit. Like we had to list every city, who we were going to be with hotels, everything. When we would check into a hotel, they would take our passport, and they would, every single hotel would photocopy every single page of our passport, and they would, they would then fill out a form that they would, um, through the computer, send off to the government to let them know that we've checked in, and that little form would then get stapled into our passport, so that when we had moved to the next place, they can see that we were following our itinerary to the T. We were, we were under watch the entire time. We, at one point, we were sitting around a table with some pastors, and we got talking about um, Putin and Trump. It was a great conversation. And, and, here, and it, you, know, you know, we had this big issue about a month or two ago about where with, in Syria, right, where, you know, Russia, and then we lobbed some bombs and this and that. And so we asked the Russians, like, hey, what do you think about this Syria thing? They looked at us like they didn't have a clue. They are like, explain to us about, what, what are you talking about, Syria? And we were, well, you guys are in Syria, and we lobbed bombs, and we're kind of fighting our enemy's enemy type thing. And they acted like, well, that's not a big deal. There's, what, what are you talking about? And we're like, it's all over our news. It's a big deal. We're like about to go to war with you guys. No. They were like, we don't know what you're talking about. And, and what they explained to us was that it was it was a different country that their news was telling them that we were in coming in and, and causing trouble, and that we need to be concerned about the Americans, that they need to be concerned about the Americans because of this other country. And here's what we realize. Our news lies to us. What we see on the news isn't necessarily the truth. And it hypes it up. We realized as we were comparing notes, and then as they, they were realizing comparing notes, their news hypes up and tells them what they, what they need to hear, and it's maybe not the truth. And we're talking around the table, and all of a sudden, somebody got really nervous. And somebody said, I think we should stop this conversation. And we shouldn't be talking about politics in this way. Here's what the Russians believe. They believe that their government at any given time can, can tap reverse into their phone and listen to their conversations. The house we were in were pastors of a church, but they're, they're Americans. And those pastors were absolutely convinced and they had somebody tell them that there's microphones in their house, just to be careful, that this is just what Russia is. There's no freedom. The Russian, if you're, if you're a Russian person, you at, at all times have to keep your passport, not your ID, your passport on your body that at any time you could be stopped and, and have to prove who you are and why you're in the place that you're in. So when they check into hotels and they're out of town, they go through the same process with them that we go through. There's no freedom in Russia. When we left Russia, we flew out of Russia, out of Moscow, and went to Helsinki, Finland. The minute we landed in Finland, I felt like this massive weight of oppression just, re- just come off of me. Like as we're landing, and I looked at Joe and I said, I just felt like free. And she said, Yeah. And then we looked over at Kent. Yeah, that was weird. And it was just like all of a sudden, like, oh, we can breathe freer. We can breathe free in Finland. Um, and so there's no freedom in Russia. So, so that's why we, as, as Branches Vineyard Church, have, have locked arms with other vineyard churches in the U.S. and have connected and committed to supporting the vineyard churches in Russia. The way this works for us is, is that we are linked up with two two specific vineyard churches. One's in a town called Borodino, the little village that I was talking about with the pastor who built his log cabin house. And the other's a town called Norilsk, which is a a it's a it's closed-off city. It's, it's a, They built the city because they discovered aluminum and, and different types of, of um, stuff that they're mining. So it's a city that we may or may not ever be able to go to. It's, it's closed off even to the Russians. You have to have special permission to get in and out, but the, there's a vineyard church there. And our church is committed to to praying for these pastors, praying for their churches, supporting them in any way, giving them, giving them any kind of resources as far as teaching materials or finances or whatever. And, and that's our commitment. And so here's what I, I want to ask you as we wrap this up. I want to ask that first, are you committed as a follower of Christ to go? Are you committed to go? To, and what that means is, are you committed that every day when you wake up, you're committed to sharing Jesus when 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 it's when, when God brings it or when you know when you know it's time with sharing people with the people in your radius of your life. Are you committed to doing that as a, as a follower of God? Have you just said yes to God because man, I, I know I I want to go to heaven, or are you saying yes to God because God, I want it to be all about you. I want my life to be to mean something in this world. And and I think that sometimes as as Christians we we don't see the full potential that God has given us because we just simply don't act. And so first, are you committed to, to seeing lives changed in Warsaw? Are you committed to seeing lives changed in Kosciuszko County? Are you committed to seeing lives changed throughout Indiana and the U.S.? And, and are you committed to seeing lives change to the ends of the earth? And for me, Russia is the ends of the earth. It's, it's the final stop for me. Um, there's no other place further. And so, so are we committed to that as a church? Can you stand with me? Here, here's what I want to give you: three, three, three reasons or three ways to be committed to to going. Okay, yeah. And the worship team can come up. Um, so, three ways that you can go, and and I don't want any one of these three ways to be light or to, or to seem just cliche. But the first way is that you can pray. You can go to Russia by praying for the Russian people. You you really can. We we under What's the word I'm wanting? Underestimate. Yeah, we underplay what prayer is. And it's, and when you see God move, you realize, oh, this stuff is real. Oh, this is good stuff. And so, so we underplay that, and, and you can pray for, for, for this city. You can pray for the world, and you can really pray. If, you want, if you're a praying person, you say, I know that I can pray. Would you come talk to me? Because we have the list. Of all the pastors in Russia, we have the list of some of their needs. We, we can load you down with things to pray about. And and we want to be a church that prays for the Russian Christians, okay? So you could pray. The, the second way is you can give. And and sometimes, you know, our heart says, oh, I, I'd go, but I can't because, I, you know, my job or whatever. You can give. You could give above and beyond what you're committed to giving to God, in, you know, through your tithes and offering. Our offering envelopes, we, we put missions on there because it's important to us. So you can give and you can say, I want X amount of dollars of whatever you're given to go to to Russia or to go to missions, to go to local missions, because we, we as a church support, we support, you know, people within our church that go out and do stuff. So you, you can give. And then the, the, the last way is that you can go. And here's what I want to challenge you. Those of you, those, those of you that have gone if you were to talk to any one of those people that I go, they would tell you that that was a life-changing time for their, in their life. That was a, a change in their life, something, because what happened is they got out of their element. They were truly able to say, God, for the next week, two weeks, whatever, use me, and God did. And, and And we we because we weren't at home, we got to throw away all the stuff in our life that bogs us down and just be free for God, and God uses us so i would I, I personally have this opinion that every Christian in America needs to travel outside the u s and go serve God for a week. I just do I think I think it will change how we actually do life here in the United States so so you can go and and you could go get your passport that's like step number one: go get your passport. And then, and then talk to me. Here, here's the truth: We're going to start taking teams to Russia on a regular basis. Not maybe not me physically, personally, but the Russian. Our our partnership is committed to taking teams periodically to Russia to serve the Russian Russian Vineyard churches and help them help them get equipped and grow. If if that is like exciting to you, if you say, ooh. I might want to do that. Come talk to me because we can, we can put a team together and go. There's a team going in November, and if you're like, I'm ready to go, we can, get you, we can get you to Russia in November, but we have to do that now. Or we could plan to go on a trip. We could plan a trip as a church later. Or if you just want to go, we can get you connected. If Russia's not your thing, here's, here's, here's my last thing. Maybe your heart's for, for, for China. Maybe your heart's for Africa. Maybe your heart's for South America. If Russia's not your thing, but you know you you want to go serve God, we, we just, Joe and I, our heart is missions, and we, we have connections. We have people we can connect you with. We can, we can get you going. When we planted this church, we planted this church as missionaries. When we, when we did, said we're going to go start a church in Warsaw, our mindset was that we're going as missionaries. We're going to, 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 to serve the way missionaries were served in Warsaw. We didn't go to plant a church to be pastors and have our name on a, on a billboard or something. It was we want to go and serve R- Warsaw. It was a mission mindset and and we've, we Joe and I thought that our life would be spent in some foreign country, and God did like a hoodwink on us and put us in, in warsaw Indiana. but that 's why our mentality but we we 've traveled we 've been fortunate to travel all over the world and make connections in in almost every major continent in the world so if 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 russia's not your thing, and you 'd say no i 'm really got my 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 eyes set on another country, come talk to us let 's let 's support you and get you. Get you moving because because it's it's one of the big three for us is that we we love God we love others and we make disciples we, we we're missionaries okay so pray with me and then we'll, we'll finish up God I I want my my heart Lord is that we've first of all God that we step aside from ourselves God I just think that it's too easy for us as, as American Christians to be consumed with our selfish wants and desires and what we think we need and 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 we're not able to sometimes just really step aside from that and, and allow you to be God in our life. So Lord, I, I ask that you'd be speaking to us right now in a way that what that breaks through our our hearts personally. God would would what we've talked about today, maybe the pictures, maybe the worship um, for for somebody here, be just kind of a breakthrough, a, a thing that says it's time for me to step up and start living out the potential that you, that you've created us to live. And so, God, that's the first prayer. And then, God, as a church, I I want to be a church that that serves our community. I want to be a church that serves serves our our country, that that shares Jesus with the world. And so, God, would you would you encourage us in that way. God, would you have us to be people that really look to our mission statement and, and walk that out? Not just something that we hang on the wall, but something that is, is our marching orders. And Lord, would you open up doors for us to be able to go? And and, and to be able to go to the ends of the earth. We, we want our reach to be big. So God, we commit these things to you. God, we thank you that you are a big God, that we can look to you and know that you have you have control. So we love you in Jesus' name, amen.